0: Welcome to Scheduled for Two Falls with Kieran and Niall, the wrestling podcast where we break down the industry one topic at a time.
1: Yo, monkeys, it's me. It's D-D-P. You're listening to Scheduled for Two Falls with my boys, Kieran and Nile. This is Virgil, W-W-F wrestling superstar i want to give a shout out to schedule two Falls. hey this is ken shamrock the world's most dangerous man and you're listening to two falls podcast with kieran and niles my name is raven professional wrestling superstar and you're listening to scheduled for two balls with saran Rep and Niall. quote the raven nevermore
0: Welcome back to Scheduled for Two Falls. Two Falls. Mr. Niall Morrissey, good to have you back.
2: Mr. Siran Rap Dunphy, good to have you back. <laughs> I think fr- I might um, retire my repeating the Two Falls gimmick for season three.
0: Yeah, go for it. Yeah, why not? Well, we got to keep mixing it up, don't we? Yeah. um you're referencing saran rap because obviously that was what raven called me in last week's episode uh um, any feedback from or, well sorry two weeks ago because obviously with Virgil last spots. week yeah yeah getting ahead of myself any um any feedback from the raven episode
2: uh from the, yeah a lot of feedback from the raven episode people were like uh he was insane uh in a good way like you know i think people really got a good laugh off him um you know i don't some people said they didn't really need to know about his um, his stool movements, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think people really enjoyed it. And a lot of listeners, a lot of listeners for Raven. He was kind enough to retweet us at the Raven effect. So I think that might have bumped us up a little bit, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I um, I think people, uh, people enjoyed our our ability, or our, I should say, inability to uh, keep him on a straight and narrow and follow our <laughs> line of thought. He was going off in tangents, but that that's Raven. That's what you get when you interview Raven. Ugh. We that's what we
2: were worried about beforehand, and that's exactly what happened.
0: Well, I got good news for our listeners because we have another interview this week, and this time, I mean, we had a Hall of Famer, with the UFC Hall of Famer and Ken Shamrock, but we now have a WWE Hall of Famer. Niall, I'm talking Papa Shango.
2: You're talking Kaman Mustafa.
0: And we're talking 2016 Hall of Fame Inductee, The Godfather, Mr. Charles Wright. Step aboard the ho train. I'm I very can
2: say
0: it. Yeah, I can't wait for people to listen to this because this definitely was the most enjoyable uh interview I've had to date. Just a lot of fun. Uh this guy's a fun guy. So yeah, let's uh let's not uh delay too much more but we we got to delay one thing now we got to delay because we need to give a shout out to our handles our social media Uh, people can find us on twitter we are at scheduled for two f1 that's the numerals two and one at schedule for two f1 Uh, instagram Nile,
2: at scheduled for two falls that's the number two or just type in all caps lock two words two falls
0: or finally you can email us and i think uh, email is the best because we can we get some essays from people via email which is the most enjoyable and that's scheduled for two falls at gmail.com that's the number two scheduled for two falls at gmail.com all right well, here we go the godfather
1: it is i
0: papa shango <laughs>
1: He's having cut down. Hey, the Napster's off the apron. Not but had a match with him, McMahon, but that has nothing to do with it. This is the curse of Papa Shango. This is the taking of the wristband. This is the curse that he applied to the ultimate warrior. He's down on the mat, holding his stomach. Look at Chango's face. He put a curse on the ultimate warrior. Uh-oh. I'm the toughest man to ever put on a pair of gloves. Grappling, they banned me from the sport because I didn't play by the rules. I don't like to play. (laughs) Thai boxing, nobody could withstand my arsenal of punishing blows. I hear that the toughest men in the world are in the World Wrestling Federation. That's why I'm making the WWF my final destination. Kama, I don't think the coffin's going to survive this match. but that's The Undertaker. Kama gets the signal. Will the casket need to be open? The Undertaker,
2: moving, but barely. Trying to set up The Undertaker now.
1: He's Off the rope. Underneath. Kama! No! Each man's been looking for that one big move to finish out the other. The Undertaker man just found it. How can he hold him up there? Where'd he get the power? No! No! Oh! Incredible! Can The Undertaker get Karma into the casket. Look at DiBiase, he seems slipping slip it away. Undertaker's cutting their roll. cover. Oh. Will they get him in? Will they get him down in the casket? on, oh. trying to hang on. With oh. a red cut down. Oh, the Undertaker oh. shot the left. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, old lotter Day? It's time, what's up? you to roll a fatty for this pimp daddy. Light that blood up and say! Oh man, what a hell of steam. Goldas was idle. He couldn't, he couldn't move or he didn't move. I don't know he knows where he is. Oh, no. Goldas elevated the godfather up and over. That's going to buy the Intercontinental Champion some time. And The winner and the new World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion, The Goodfather! Because, ladies and gentlemen, it is our honor to introduce to you The Goodfather!
2: The Goodfather? The what?
1: What is he talking about? What The Good The Goodfather? Was right. I'm spending way too much time trying to ruin what's good here in the WWF and you people cheer for it. What is gotten into him? Trying to ruin what I thought that I was fighting for your rights, but all I was fighting for was filth. I was pimping just for the cheer. This is awful. I don't get it. A choice, the first amendment right never again will i contribute to the moral demise of what this great country of Mars
0: hello and welcome back to another very special schedule for two falls interview today we have a bona fide hall of famer he's from the class of 2016 he's a former intercontinental champion former tag team champion if you're a fan of wrestling in the early 90s you'd know him as papa Shango mid-90s. He became Kamen Mustafa and joined the famous or infamous Nation of Domination stable. And then, of course, he became the godfather of professional wrestling. Mr. Charles Wright, it is absolutely our honor and privilege to have you on the show.
3: Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I would say good morning, but good afternoon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How is life over there? Where, Where are you based at the moment?
3: I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've been here since 19... Uh, I moved here in 83. That's how long I've been in Nevada. But I can't wait to get out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the only place for the Godfather to live, really, isn't
3: it? <laughs> well, you know, I can live in New York. But uh, I, the thing is, this is the desert. And when I mean desert, this is the desert. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm at the retiring age now. So I don't think I'm going to live my life out here. I think in the next two or three years that I'm going to move someplace where... It's a little greener and a little slower, and it'll be time for me to become not the grandpa, uh, the grandfather, but the grandpapa. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> when we when we knew we had you on the show, a uh, few people were were big fans of the Papa Shango character. Some were big fans of the Godfather character, and some loved the Nation of Domination stuff. So we want to cover all bases where we can, and cool. so we'll, we'll start in chronological order, if that's okay. And that's as it. As a child watching Papa Shango on TV, you absolutely terrified me, and Niall said the same here before we went live and I remember vividly thinking that this guy was unlike anything else in the world and I didn't quite understand how the voodoo side of things worked, but I had a feeling you didn't care whether you were the world champion or not. you just wanted to kill your opponent, which made you super scary you weren't you weren't aiming for championships or titles, you targets like ultimate warrior and Reading back as you grow older, you realize that some of the wrestling critics of the world like Meltzer or Wrestling Observer were very critical of the character, but they're looking at it as a grown up with adult eyes rather than who it's probably actually aimed for, which is kids like me to scare the bejesus out of me. So my question kind of also relates to the modern product where grown up fans like me criticize the current WWE product, even though it's now produced for kids much like the the early 90s. So do wrestlers like you care about this type of stuff or is it just a job? And what era do you prefer to work, early 90s um, or the, the late 90s and attitude era?
3: Um, Tim, I can't answer for everybody. For me, wrestling was a job. I, it, um, it was a good job. It was a fun job, but it was a job. They paid you to do a job. I was as far from being a voodoo man as you could become. Uh, if you really track my history and all the tattoos and everything, I was a biker. I was a, a black outlaw biker hanging out with a bunch of crazy white bikers. And to step in, <clears throat> excuse me, into that Papa Shango role it was wild because I'd never been a voodoo man. But like I said, I was paid to do a job. Um, wrestling was always my second business, not my first. My first was girls in the strip clubs. So wrestling was a way for me to have fun, to really just to back then. There was no social media. There was no internet. There was no laptops. There was no cell phones. So you could go out at night and just be crazy and have fun. And whatever happened in that town would stay in that town. Mm. And so it was fun for me. That's why you would see me come and go. Because when I wasn't having fun, I would leave. And then they would call me and say, hey, you want to come back? And I'd be like, no, and they're like, well, we're going to do this and that. I'm like, no. And then they'd have Taker or somebody call me and be like, come on, man, come on, big dog, come back. I'm like, "Tate, I'm in Vegas, enjoying my life. I'm not going through tables. I'm not getting hit over the head with chairs. I'm not traveling 290 days a year, but I did miss the fun. But no, it was a a stretch for me on that character. Um, People hated on me back then. All the older wrestlers said, I'm going to ruin the business. And this is a gimmick and dude i don't have time for that wrestling changes with society and the way that people are so things are always going to change do i like the product now i don't know i have really haven't watched it uh, i'm going to start watching it uh it's kind of hard for me to watch it because of the, there's nobody there's no audience and mm. for me that's hard i've always had audience but i am going to start watching but i'm not going to hate on the products man because and Vince is a smart man. The people at AEW are smart. They're all into making money, so they're giving the people, in a way, what they want. And and, and they're giving, the overall, you know, picture of what people want, not with just a certain group. So I'm not here to hate. I would enjoy the time. <clears throat> what I hope is, uh, well, pretty soon they're going to have audiences back, and pretty soon Vince is going to have to go after AEW, probably a little bit more rated X or R. So. Don't be surprised if the CEO Godfather show up. <laughs> you know, but I don't hate on nothing, bro. I am going to start. Well, I tell you the best, not the Papa Shango days, but the attitude era was the time that there'll never be another. There'll never be another time. If there is, God bless them, man, because the
0: boys will have a good time. Like we had in the attitude era. Yeah. And yeah it looked um, like a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, 100%. Miss, mr godfather i'll refer you to us uh, so we were we were talking like obviously we were planning out this uh this interview and we couldn't let the interview go by without asking about wrestlemania eight and you know it's your first time wrestlemania i think you're you're heading in big spot in the main event uh the queue is missed we just kind of wanted to know not really about the missed queue or anything but what was going on backstage um, like before and after this happened.
3: Here's the deal. I was so green at that time, literally, from the time that I went to wrestling school till that moment had been maybe a couple of years. <laughs> Man <Okay>. event. <laughs> and so uh I was so much into doing what I had to do. I didn't know what Hogan had to do. I didn't know, I didn't care. All I knew is When they gave me the cue and said, go through those curtains, I was going to go run and do what I had to do. Now, that night, I never heard anything from anybody at all. Not one person did I hear, brah, you messed up the cue, you missed, you were late. I didn't hear from anybody. And I was so involved in what I was doing at the time. I mean, I'm working with Hogan, Sid, Warrior. I mean, Jesus, come on. Mm-hmm. And so I was so involved in what I, I was doing, I wasn't really concerned with what everybody, which I should have been. The problem was, is that they knew that I was green, so they're like, "Don't go until we tell you to go." And so they were probably for whatever reason, and I'm not going to say the person, but for whatever reason, I got the late, the queue late, and once, so I didn't know. All I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at the curtain, literally, like, like. <laughs> A track star, get ready to run. And it was a long ways. And I was probably 320 pounds. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna go. So they said, go, 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 go. Bam, I went. So once I got there, I was a little, oh shit, what's going on? Because <laughs> I wasn't watching the monitors. I was kind of bad. So but I never heard anything about it years. And I mean years later. Wow. I'm now not wrestling. I'm doing autograph signings and stuff. And people are, hello, my wife. People are like, uh, "Hey, what happened here?" I'm like, "What do you mean, what happened? Well, you missed the cue." I'm like, "No, I didn't." And I, "What do you mean? What do you mean?" And so then, when I started checking into it, I'm like, "Oh shit!" (laughs) And then, but I never heard one thing, not even from Taker, not one person. You know why? It wasn't my fault. Yeah. uh, And so so the person to fault it was, they probably went to him, said, "What the fuck? What happened?" Mm -hmm. And he goes. I gave him the q late, and they said, oh. So, I, I like I said, I never even knew about it. Um, the thing about me, I wasn't a wrestling fan. I, I love the business. I respect the business. Business that made me money. The business that made me a lot of friends. But I wasn't a wrestling fan growing up. Believe it or not, I was a roller derby fan. <laughs> in the Bay Area of California, roller derby in the 70s was much bigger than wrestling. And so I was a roller derby fan. I knew Haystack Calhouns, the Rock Johnsons, the Crickler. I knew certain names, but yeah, man. So uh, just crazy. Tristan, yeah. You gotta stop me because I'll go
0: talking. No, no, it's forever. great. No, uh, keep, uh, yeah, that's yeah, what keep.
2: people are chewing in for. Yeah, they don't want
0: to hear me and Kieran. They want to hear the Godfather. Uh, you you yeah. mentioned you mentioned being green there, how green you were at the time. You still managed to secure yourself a world title shot in 1992 Saturday Night's main event against Bret Hart. And it was Bret Hart's very first world title defense after him beating Ric Flair. What was it? What was it like working with Bret? Obviously, he's he's got this reputation for being able to carry anybody through a match. Uh, I don't believe you were as green. I don't believe
3: carry anybody through a match. (laughs) I I don't I
0: don't don't (laughs) believe you're as green as you're claiming. uh,
3: I'll be be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. They were so because that if I'm not mistaken, that was the first Saturday night main event if I'm not mistaken, it's going back a lot of years. And they were so concerned about that match because I hadn't worked with Brett much. And I was still green. I mean, I'm only two, three years in the business. Okay. And I spent most of that time drinking and partying, not wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> and so uh, they were a little concerned. So we had to do the match the night before, wherever, whatever town we were in, we did that exact same match. and They ah. were happy with. It. And so, But, I mean, Brett was such a cool dude, Uh, great worker, good leader, good person, man. And and, uh, they were worried about me. And he went to – I'm not going to mention the names. I always try not to mention the names. But there was one agent who just didn't even want to have the match. Oh, Papa's going to make Brett look bad, and this is going to be the worst thing for Brett's career. And Brett stood up for me and said, nah, he can work. He's great, but he can work because I have no problem working with him. So shout out to Brett for that. But you know, we had a decent match for what it was. I think it was a good match. It's a very but good it wasn't, match. But it was besides besides doing it the night before. It was nothing rehearsed. It was nothing. Me and Brett had worked just a little bit together. So I mean, you know, I wish looking back, I wish I was a little bit not so green in the business because I probably could have been better at Papa Shango, like Kama. I mean, Kama, like Kamala was. God rest his soul at being Kamala. I probably could have been a better Papa Shango, but, dude, I I had no idea what I was stepping into. To go from this country, tobacco chewing, country music listening, old truck driving, biker to a voodoo man. It was a stretch, bro. For
0: anybody listening, that that is a great match. It isn't just a good match. It's a very, very good match. Uh, It's about 12 minutes long, and it's fully on YouTube if anyone wants to check it out.
3: Oh, yeah. And, and we we did the, the night before, we did a match just like that. And then they said, do that same match, do that same match. But, you know, a shout out to Brett, though. Um, great guy. Great guy.
0: Um, Brett actually said, I was <laughs> watching a shoot interview, and Brett said it was Pat Patterson who hated the Shango gimmick. Uh, obviously, uh, rest in peace, Pat. Uh, but he took the steam <laughs> away from it. <laughs> I know you're not going to hey, name names, but. I didn't uh... say
1: this.
0: God rest his soul
3: i didn't say the name yeah you either. didn't you didn't say
0: it yeah <laughs> we, we <laughs> do
3: that for you <laughs> but you know what after that shortly i became good friends with pat and uh you know i at the end pat was cool man i liked seeing pat he'd get the uh you know years later not even years later um i i, I went golfing with pat one time and uh yeah man uh pat ended up being cool but yeah he was the agent that was but they were. I, I, I don't think they were hurting hating on me mainly because I was green. It was mainly because of the gimmick yeah, and yeah. the voodoo and that type of stuff. But I'm telling you, it didn't hurt the Ultimate Warrior one bit to be cursed and throwing up and all the stuff he did, because one of the main things people talk to me today about and to bring up is you made the Ultimate Warrior throw up.
2: Yeah, still, people still remember it. So, I mean, you know.
3: With all the gimmicks I had, it was a business. I tried the best I could be to be those people until I became myself. <laughs>
2: and um, yeah, because you transitioned then in 95 into uh, Kamen Mustafa. And we were, myself and Kieran were talking about, that was a character we loved. And you kind of came off the back of like the early UFC shows, and you, you t- took on that kind of shoot fighter, your promos and vignettes were you absolutely hammering guys in the gym, spinning backfists, you name it. Um, were you a lot more comfortable in this role? Um, once again, like I said,
3: if you see me come and go to WWE, if, whichever one it was, it's because I wasn't having fun. I, w- I went through a bad divorce as Papa Shango. I became a very mean, ugly, mean person. And so uh, we took some time off from wrestling. They kept trying to get me to come back. I didn't want to come back. And then they said, hey, have you watched this UFC thing? Well, there's this guy called Chemo, and he's got tattoos, and he's pretty over. and we want to do a thing like that with you. I have never – I'm not a professional kickboxer, boxer, any of that thing. But I've dabbled in everything I've always liked training, so I've dabbled in just about everything. And so I'm like, nah, I don't want to be dope, but no, I don't want to do that. And they're like, well, we'll let you ride a Harley. At the beginning, I rode a Harley. Yeah, (laughs) the video, the promo is awesome. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, and don't forget, I'm a biker. I'm not a biker anymore, but I was a biker then. So I'm like, oh, wait, I get to ride a Harley? And I'm like, oh, (laughs) man, I'm going to get a free Harley out of this. Everybody's done. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. That's the only reason. And I said no, and then Taker called me, and he's like, come on on back, man. Come on, come on, he goes, they're going to start this other thing and we're going to get some bikes and you to be able to ride. I'm like, okay, I'll come back. And that's literally how I came back is come. And then uh, they took the bike away from me right away because at that time it was too hard. You'd go to a town and they'd say, okay, we'll have a Harley there for you. And then you'd show up and it'd be a girl's Harley, like a little sports car, I'm like, well, what are we going to do now? And so after that, Vince ended up going into some type of dealership with Titan Motorcycles and that's the motorcycles you have seen, see and, take, and all the other bikes. Those are all tight motorcycles. So once I lost that gimmick, I wouldn't have a fun no more. And so then they tried to save it by having me work with Undertaker. They figured, you know, one thing about me, I'm business. So if I'm involved in some type of an angle, I'm not going to walk out on you. But if I ain't involved in anything with you, dude, I'll walk out that night and say, hey, Vince, love you, but I got to go. I can't do this shit no more. And uh, he'd be like, oh, okay, Charles. Well, take some time off, and uh, we'll give you a call a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, okay, peace. You know, that's how my relationship with was with him.
0: Um, so <laughs> Dude, I have a-
3: the most. I'm telling you, I have the most different wrestler story that you'll ever hear because I'm just different.
0: <laughs> it's funny yeah you, you're, you're you've mentioned undertaker there a few times already and you and him seem to cross paths quite a bit going all the way back to soul taker and master of pain uh you tagged together i think pre pre wwf um was was that a draw when you got the call off off um uh, undertaker to say where, look w- did, did he tell you at that time we'd, we'd finished this out at a casket match at SummerSlam?" uh or at that point did, did you even know where where kama was going as a character no
3: no Okay, you know maybe that's I don't know if that was one. Of, uh, maybe I it's not that I didn't take it serious. Is I had other things going on. I had strip clubs. I had this. I had girls over here. I had girls working. I had a lot of shit going on, and it was a business. So I didn't involve myself with the politics. I never did. As long as you paid me what you say you're going to pay me, I'd do it. You, you know, and I'd do the, whatever you wanted me to do the best I could. Now you might come to me with an idea, and I'm like, no, that's not. You know, let's do it a different way. But I was easy to work with because it was a business. I was looking at it like I was a paid actor. But unlike other wrestlers, and especially ones that have made a lot more money, that wasn't my main source of income. That was just one part of it. So it was more fun to me. So I had a different attitude. It was just the job. And believe me, God, I love Vince McMahon and that family to death. They allowed me to do things that, just <laughs> God bless the man
1: because
3: <laughs> anybody else that did the kind of stuff that I did over the years would have been fired a hundred times, believe me. <laughs> and so, you know, it's all good, man. You know, it's all it's good. good. I have no hatred towards anybody and, and, and I had such a great time in that business.
2: Because not long after the the Undertaker uh, feud in 95, you kind of disappeared in early 96. Was that one of your um, sabbaticals back to Vegas for a good time there?
3: Yeah, I just, it was one thing, uh, not that I'm a multi-millionaire, nothing like that, but it was one thing making money and having fun. It was another thing making money and not having fun. And so probably after, okay. I, they, after the taker run, I'm like, it's time for me to go again. And uh, I think there's pictures on the internet where they have all BSK and we're all and tapers, tapers got like a gun to my head. We're all sitting there like that. That was that night that after we worked, I'm like, dude, I'm out of here. After oh, this man. last match, I'm out of here. And I told Vince that and it was, Vince was like, cool. Well, Charles, we'll call you when you're ready to come back. Let us know. And that's how it was. It, but it was always a job to me. You know, I, 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 it was always a job. It was always a job. It was a great job. It was a fun job. Uh, opened up many doors for me, but it was a job.
0: Like like any job, there's always another company you can join. And and after that, the the rumor and innuendo is that uh, you were uh, chatting to Eric Bischoff about perhaps going across to WCW and becoming the fifth man in the NWO uh the rumor is that when this didn't work out you only found out even though you had a verbal agreement with eric bischoff when you're watching tv with your wife and you saw virgil coming out and you realized hang on is that not the job that i was uh, offered is that is that true
3: no well yes and no first of all i never talked to eric bischoff so eric bischoff had nothing i don't know where that came from um i can't think of the can you talk really Something Heard, Jim Heard, or something Heard. Yeah, he was the. It was Jim Heard and somebody else, and I think Dusty Rhodes was there too, but had nothing to do with Eric Bischoff. I was talking with Scott, and I don't remember, man, because I'm friends with Kevin Scott. I'm I'm friends with all those guys, and we at back back then we talked all the time, so I'm not sure, but I was talking with I don't know if it was Kevin or Scott or who it wasn't Hulk. Um, <laughs> But it was i don't remember but we were talking back and forth i talked this jim heard i think his name was like you said and they're like okay well we're gonna bring you in and he had a weird weird voice they said we're gonna bring you in and we're gonna do this and we're gonna put you in here and and we're gonna slowly get you in the matches and you're gonna be the enforcer and i'm like cool <laughs> so this is a long time ago so you know I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really not a big deal to me at all and so that's why it's hard to remember and so uh I think I was like, well, I'm calling this one now and he's not calling me back. And I'm like, well, he always calls me back. What's going on? And I called this one. He's not calling me back. I'm like, all right, something's going on. <laughs> and next thing I know, I see Virgil out there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so basically they probably, I would assume that somebody up, up the top said, you know, why pay this one that much and we can pay this one that much? And i they clown Virgil. They would have never clowned me. I wouldn't let that happen. So. Uh, And Ron Simmons, in fact, Ron Simmons, and I'm not even going to get into this but Ron Simmons is the one that told me, you don't want to go there. And, uh, and he says, nah, you won't fit in there. He goes, don't go there because it's not going to, it's not the place for you. Ron, Ron told me straight up, don't go there. Stay where you are.
0: Mm. Yeah. And he spent a lot of time there himself. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Should have done a hell of a lot more. I'm a Northern boy.
3: I'm a Northern boy. and Those are all Southern boys. And I'm used to dealing with bikers. Kind of redneck, redneck, racist dudes, anyway. So I have a short fuse with those dudes, and so I'm basically saying, "Dude, he's like, well, you're gonna, you're gonna hear this, and I'm like, I ain't gonna hear that." And he goes, "Yes, you are," and I'm like, "Well, if I hear that, I'm gonna be fighting." He goes, "Well, you're gonna be fighting every day." And So I said, "Well, <laughs> then I'll be, you know." Then after a while, he's like, "Dude, don't go there. You're not used to dealing with these people. I am," and well, so I'm like, All right. "But this is a long time."
0: But and then then after that, you were you were brought back. I suppose this is, again, you took a little hiatus and the, the offers came back in from WWE. And initially, you were meant to bring back the Papa Shango gimmick in a reboot. I mean, why why didn't they do that? Uh, or what was the intention? Or what? How was Papa Shango going to fit back in in 97? Or how did they convince you? Like we missed out on Papa Shango
2: versus Stone Cold.
3: For some reason, they convinced me to come back as Papa Shango. But it was going to be a lot different. Uh, the makeup was different. Jerry Lawler had done the face paint and it was going to be a lot different. I'd lost a lot of weight. I was looking good. <coughs> I had a different outfit. I'm like, oh, this might be fun. Let's do it. And so I show up to TV, right? This is God's house. I show up to TV. They're like, Vince wants to talk to you. I'm like, cool. Cool with me. All right, let's go. So I go talk to Vince. He goes, Charles, change of plans. <laughs> <laughs> so change of plans. He goes, uh, tonight. We're going to put you in the nation. You and Ron Simmons are going to wrestle Undertaker in a handicap match. And you're going to go. And I'm just kind of like, what? (laughs) And then somebody comes in and he goes, we made you a little outfit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why don't you get with Mark and Ron and uh, let's work something out and then we'll talk later. And I'm just like, okay, you know, business. I said, okay, as long as you pay me. Like you say you go, baby, don't pay baby, no less, because you promised me this much. I'm like, okay. And so probably, so I don't know why Taker was involved in that. Probably because he's like, hey, I'll put him over. But, um. and so I that was the first time that I met Ron Simmons. And very I knew who he was. I followed him when he played football in college. And I'm like, I knew, we're, we're basically close to the same age, me and Ron. I think Ron's only got me by a couple of years. And so um, I talked to him. I met him. I'm like, you know what's going on? he's like, brother, babe, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and so um, I'm like, okay. And so then I, we did our bit. And uh, the next week, Vince pulled me and Ron into the office. And he's like, hey, okay, you guys know who this Dwayne Johnson is? And I didn't know who he was. And Ron did. He goes, well, listen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to put him in a nation. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bring this guy in. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And I'm like, oh, cool. They got ideas for this. thing. And then he goes, but let me tell you something. He goes, once I get the people to hate this kid, meaning The Rock, he goes, when I turn him, he will be the biggest thing wrestling has ever seen. And that's what Vince told me and uh, Ron Simmons. And so we talked to The Rock and then we had to fight his. His ass for a while because he didn't want to wear the hat. He refused to wear one of the hats, right? Nation yeah. of domination. But he refused to wear a hat, and then he didn't want to wear the colors. And so we're like, we were like, hey, listen, if you don't want to be part of this shit, then don't be part of it. Don't do it. We get fuck out. We don't care. You know, we're, we're doing you a favor. You ain't doing us a favor. Yeah. And so uh, he ended up putting like a little black, red, green thing on his tights, like, just The tiniest
2: thing ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: It was like you to put stuff on, or we ain't gonna do it, man. It's just, it's it. So after that, it was cool, man. Cool dude. I got to know him. Uh, I only got to ride with him for a short while. He had to. He had to come to me one day and say he couldn't ride with me anymore. But we rode for a while. I got to know him, hang out with him. He was a real cool dude. Real cool dude, man. I like him. And and, and one thing about him, man, if anybody was had that success like he has, he couldn't have went to a better person because he's a good dude. Um.
0: Because it's crazy,
2: he was so young, Um, you know, you and um, Farouk, Ron Simmons would have been probably 10, 12, 15 years older than The Rock, and here's this, like, arrogant upstart kid getting thrown in with you two guys, like, stealing all the limelight and the promos, you name it, was that like, Mm -hmm. did that rub you guys up the wrong way, or was it all a bit of fun?
3: No, not at all, and that's where, maybe, why, it's a job. You're part of everything now. I'm just that like know your role. Know your role, man. Yeah. And that know your role, that wasn't Rocky saying oh. that was Ron Simmons saying. Ron Simmons, Ron Simmons is, had all, all these lines that Rock had, and people, those are Ron's just normal damn and all that stuff. That was Ron. <laughs> Ron used to say, because we'd talk and we'd say, know your role. They're paying you to be a role. Why do you want to fight them? Mm. Everybody can't be The Rock. Everybody can't be Stone Cold. There can only be so many undertakers. There can only be so many of these groups of people. So know your role. Do your role the best you can for the business, yourself, and everybody. And that's what I – I hated the right to censor. You have no idea. I hated the right – you have no idea. I hated going to work every day. I hated it. I wanted to quit. I was getting ready to quit. The caker stooge me off to Vince. And so Vince dropped the straps on me and Bull because that he knew that would keep me there longer. <laughs> I'm not gonna block them. That's the only reason we got those straps because they wanted to keep me there longer. I was leaving. Wow, but no, man, no. The
0: the nation, like the nation domination, it's such uh it's such an iconic 90s stable. And like fans of my age for the last 10 years have always been calling back for a new nation. You know, we need a new nation, we need a new nation. But I mean, given the the political landscape that's out there, would it even be possible? Was it something? Yeah, you would
3: have to do like the hurt business. You'd have to do it in a different way. Just put up on. You you couldn't do that now. With politics in the U.S. the way they are, no, they wouldn't put up with it. Yeah, because like... If if, if if it was was... reversed, if if what you did back then, if you did it today, (laughs) DX would be the heels, and the nation would be the baby faces. True. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, guys, they hated us. Back then, hated us, hated us. I mean, just hated us. <laughs> and we loved it.
0: And was there was there genuine racism thrown at you when you're the nation? Could you hear stuff from the crowd?
3: Um, not like you would think. You'd hear the n-word every now and then, but not nothing like you would think. Yeah. Now, some of the other guys have heard things that I haven't heard. So, you know, but I didn't, It wasn't like that. They just. You know, and a lot of people, if it is wrestling, a lot of people like the nation too. Mm,
2: yeah. Like, I think, you know, looking back there, the nation is, I, I prefer the nation to DX in terms of like, you know, you had better, kind of more clear defined roles. Then you had like, you was Kamen Mustafa, big badass. You had Farouk and the Rocks leadership battle. Dino Brown was just one of the coolest men ever, you know, that arrogance. And then Mark Henry was just like, a scary beast. I thought, in terms That's of a group like, of wrestlers, being put
3: Ahmed, together. you did bring up Ahmed Johnson.
2: Ahmed Johnson, another <laughs> absolute terrifying man, you know. Uh,
3: yeah, and like then I you think stick
2: on Hart good. in there as well. Uh, he had a, a short run. You know, like such yeah, an awesome was, group.
3: That was a group. Most people, we try not to include Ahmed in that group. The thing is about that group is we all tried to help each other. We tried to help Delo. When Mark Henry came into us, he was green. He was really green. We helped Mark. Mark, don't do that. Mark, do this. Mark, do that. Okay. We tried to do that with Ahmed Johnson and he wouldn't listen. He'd only been in the business a year, but he knew more than the rest of us that have been doing this for a long time. So that was his problem. He didn't want to listen. He knew everything. And and so uh, we got about the nation quick. The you ever get the to see how we jumped him out of the nation. We really beat his ass for real. <laughs> Ron ron simmons was hitting him so hard with his belt that i actually said ron lighten up here ron lighten up and ron's like oh no i'm gonna get this up and just lit his <laughs> uh,
1: yeah
0: you you were chatting earlier about how uh you know you were at cam mustafa and you the mma supposed mma kind of idea kind of gimmick tree stuff and how you've you know you dabble in everything although you weren't you know big into that either but still you put your name forward at least i'd hope you put your name forward and it wasn't put forward for you for the brawl for all um how how was that intimidating going into that brawl for all did you think it was a good idea (laughs) i'm
3: sure you see the dark side of the ring but uh uh it didn't matter this is what bruce pritchard called me and said hey we're doing this fight thing and If you win, you get 5,000, the next time you get 10,000 and all you have to do only two minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm in. And that's how (laughs) it went. I didn't ask no more questions. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. My problem, my problem was is we had plenty of notice to get ready for that. And I didn't take it serious and (laughs) I never, I, I should have took it a lot more serious and I did. not And I should have been in the gym training when I was at home. I should have been preparing. And I did none of that. And so uh, I really, I actually thought just being a tough guy, win the thing anyway, I had a chance. And it wasn't even about winning. It was, to me, it was more like, you get how much to win? And I'm okay, sure, I'll fight. You know, and that's how it was for me. It was never political for me. I never, all that Steve Williams stuff, we never heard about any of that. Um, me and Bradshaw, we used to, it was just, okay, how much? All right. Like I said, my, and then my biggest problem was I didn't take bark service. And after oh, yeah. Park knocked down two or three people, you would have thought my high ass would have took that <laughs> serious. But you're good. I, mean, I mean, I would literally be, and I'm not blaming it on this, but I would literally be smoking cannabis, you know, hours before I'm fighting these dudes. <laughs> so, I and mean, I'm not blaming it on that because I was smoking cannabis. Cannabis got me there. I mean, I'd always smoke cannabis. But I mean, I could have taken a little bit more serious. But that's what happens when you don't take things serious sometimes. <laughs>
0: You get knocked out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if I had it to do over again, I'd probably do it a little different.
0: After that, leading into you know, your overall godfather gimmick coming into its fruition, you started to become the kind of godfather of the nation of domination. How did that evolve for you? uh you know when did you start getting getting from from backstage you were kind of told look you're now allowed to loosen up we're losing the kind of kama big bodyguard role you can start bringing out the ladies
3: they never told me any of that the godfather is all me and my wife's creation mostly my wife's and uh what happened was now that rock took over the the nation me and dilo were just Mark, Mark and D'Lo were having some, Mark Henry and uh, D'Lo were having some matches, but it was mostly us just walking to the ring with Rock. And so they weren't doing nothing with me. And I'm like, oh, I got to do something. So I was having fun at that point. I wanted to stick around. My contract was coming up. And I'm like, eh, let me, uh, let me come up with something. So I'm letting my hair grow. And like, look, I didn't shave. It. I haven't shaved in two days. My hair grows fast, still does, always has. And I'm not missing a spot. So I start growing my hair. And uh, I always wore silver chains and a vest, more of a biker vest. And uh, I started growing my hair and people are like, God, fella, you look like a pimp. People just used to call me a pimp. I'm like, what the
1: fuck am I a pimp?
3: <laughs> and so um, we start talking. My wife's like, you know what you need to do, honey, is everybody knows that you know the clubs and you know the girls. Well, just be yourself and go out there and put some girls and say this and do this and have some fun and let people see what the you're not a voodoo man you're not a a nation you're not a militant you're not a supreme fighter you just be yourself and so i started just being myself and then one day um me and bradshaw were wrestling each other now and we're beating the hell out of each other for 10 12 minutes in a popcorn match popcorn matches the match after admission, just to get people back in their seats and so we're having this match and we're beating the hell out of each other and people are just sitting on their hands, meaning nobody's clapping, there's no reactions. So one time i like, hey, John, let's try something. And Jack Lanza was the agent. I'm like, let me try something. So we're in Louisville, Kentucky. And I say, John, this is what we're doing. I go out there and I get on the mic and I go, no, you know, I'm like, I'm just going to say, everybody knows it, I'm a pimp. Because <laughs> I always wore these hats. These hats are called godfather hats. You can... You could probably see it there. It says Godfather. Oh, you can tell Yeah,
0: it yeah, up. I can see there.
3: Okay, they're Godfather hats, and that's where the name came from. And so I said, "Well, I'm a pimp." I said, "But what you don't know is, right here in Louisville, Kentucky, they got some of the best holes ever born. People would pop." And I say, "How do I know that?" Because now oh, John's not even out there. And I said, "How do I know that?" Because there's one of my old holes that I point out certain people. People would pop. Then I find somebody really fat or old. I'm like, well, she's one of my old hoes too. I'm and they'd be like, ah. I'd be like, well, if it ain't easy, and they'd <laughs> I'm, like, really? I'm three four minutes in and we're getting all type of reactions and there's no wrestling yet. So then John comes out and I go, listen, man, I, I didn't even have girls. I'd say in the back right now on a limo, I got three hoes, man. People would laugh. And I'm like, yeah, they're hoes. I'm like, they'll do any, and I'd offer them the hose. I'd be like, you know, I'm a kick ass anyway, so take the hose. And I'm like, what do you people think? Should you take the hose or you want to see him fight me? And people would be like, take the hose, take the hose. Okay, now we're eight minutes in, nobody's wrestling, and you've got the people. Now people are coming out, like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? People are coming from the you know concession stands. And so finally, John would take the hose. Now we're nine, ten minutes in, have not touched each other. John would take the hose. He'd start walking back to where the limo was, and I would heal on the people. Just another stupid redneck that falls for the game. Or the, you know, I'd go into that crap. They'd start booing me. Johnny would turn around. Now, mind you, I got my hat on and all my stuff. And Johnny would, I would turn around. Johnny would hit me with that lariat. One, two, three. He would leave. I would jump up with my back hat back on and say, "Man, pimping ain't easy." And people <laughs> would pop. And that's what me and John came up with ourselves with Jack Lanza. We did that another night when we got to TV. Vince says, Charles, what do we got here? He goes, this might have some legs to it. He goes, do you think you could find us some girls to put on TV? And I'm like, Vince, are you joking me? And I'm like, hey. So we take her in the Harris twins, Ron and Don Harris. Uh, we went to the, the, the closest strip club, probably the one we were at the night before we got some girls, we brought her back to TV the night that we put those girls on TV. And I did that. And that was the first time that I actually ever did it. I don't know if we can find that, but that was the first time that I ever did it with live girls. It was such a hit that the next day I'm walking through the airport and people like, Godfather, where's the hose? Where's the hose?" (laughs) And it it, it it got over instantly. It was over. I mean, mid-card, you can call it whatever you wanted, but it was over big time. And the crowd reaction was big time. And at the time, the WCW and the WWF were going through their rating wars, nobody that went up against my segment ever beat my segment at the WCW. That's how popular my segments were. So that was pretty cool.
2: I can attest to that because um, when the hose gimmick started, the, the godfather started bringing out the hose, I was about 13 years of age. So I paid very, very close attention to your uh, to your segments. Um, but it, one thing I always wondered at the time was, was it new hose in each city? Did you have different hose in different area codes?
3: I had all that. <laughs> uh, at first... At first, we, we, uh, the girls, uh, it's a long story, but um, we got it from strip clubs and we hung out in the strip clubs and we knew the girls. And, you know, back then, that's what we did. So it wasn't. And then the WW after the first week, they took it over and they start getting the girls and they would get it from strip clubs. But then I would get those girls acted up so much. They said, mm, we better get actresses. So they'd get it from agencies. But those agency girls would be just as bad because I'd have those girls partying, smoking, drinking. Because if you've never been in front of 15,000, 18,000 people, it could be a little, you know, oh my God. Yeah. You know, like, so I would want them to relax. So I'd get them girls high, I'd get them drunk. So we see them girls, man. We were all out there just having fun
0: yeah there was always there was always one or two hoes that would kind of overstep the 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 mark you know they were kind of obviously a little bit looser than the other hoes from the backstage antics in advance
3: <laughs> those, are that, those are the ones that we probably knew real well <laughs>
0: but the the characters uh, the, the popularity of the godfather character obviously led you to an intercontinental title run in in april 99 and um I mean, obviously, that that's the traditional worker's title in in professional wrestling. and It was kind of moving a little bit out of that, but maybe putting some kind of championship on somebody who deserves the spotlight and kind of getting a little bit somber for a second. You a couple of months after that, you were meant to fight Owen Hart at Over the Edge, and um, you were obviously, I assume, backstage leading into Owen's fall. Um, you can go into as much detail here as you, as you want, or or pull back as much as you like, but. How or where did you find out that Owen had dropped uh, from the the rafters to his death?
3: I was at the I was behind the curtain at Gorilla and, uh, you know, Owen was to come out first. I'd hung out with him. We talked about the match. I actually watched him practice it early, earlier that day. And uh, we were talking about things. We worked out the match and then I didn't see him again. And then uh, I was behind the curtain and they were announcing him. And I was doing my normal prep the girls and get them all hyped up to go out there. I'm like, you know, because a lot of times they'd slip or fall. And I, I told them, if you fall, don't worry about it. I'll fall down with you and we'll get up. And at that point, whoever was there, it's like Owen oh, fail. And I'm like at the grill, I'm like, Owen oh, fail. they're like, Yeah, Owen just fail. I'm like, what do you mean, Owen fail? Owen fail? And then it was just chaos after that. And then uh, you know, when they rolled him back, you know, he was he was. He wasn't looking too good. So just a sad day. Good guy. Sad day. Just really sad. It was a rough day. That dude helped me so many times. I went to Japan once. When I first went to Japan, I didn't know anything. I'm greener than a toad. And Owen, the, uh, he taught me how to take the subway, get to the dojo, how to order food, how to get the money. And then when I went to Japan our Germany for seven months for Otto bonds Owen was there. And the same thing, man. He just he showed you everything. He was just hospitality. He was just a great dude, man. Showed me how to get around, order food, get to the gym. Mm. So, you know, good guy. Really good guy.
0: Everyone seems to have an own heart, funny story. Is there anything in particular that you'd like to... to? to
3: nah, this is a good guy, man. <laughs> Owen, see, Owen didn't... I don't even know if Owen drank. Now, Owen didn't hang out with us at night. At nighttime is where all my stories come from. <laughs> all you know so old you know, stories would be during the day uh he wasn't part of our group at night they hung out strip
0: clubs <laughs> good wholesome now you're just going to ask to write the tribute show the following night
2: yeah i, I was like I quite often actually put on wwe network and just watch different parts of that tribute show um absolutely brilliant tribute show from wwe's part but what was it like just being kind of around backstage that night and what was the the feeling amongst the, the it? I
3: don't remember how what it was like. It's it's just too long ago. I I just remember Vince saying, "I'm going to put together some matches." Uh, he had a meeting and he says, "I'm going to put some together some matches. If you guys want to wrestle, wrestle. If you don't want to wrestle, don't wrestle." But here it is. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I you know I don't know what I did with it was Road Dogg, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what I did with what we worked out. I just remember going out there, saying, "You know, do you really want to do this? No, I and mean, did you really want to do this?" And I think I think he said something about we just go smoke a fatty for old man, and tell some <laughs> stories or something, which is what we did. I, but it was like that; it was just that wasn't scripted. There wasn't something me and him rehearsed. That was all a shoot, man. Whatever. I'd have to watch it again to see what we did. But I basically think he went out, I went out, he did his whole thing, and then I. I don't remember. I think I just said, hey man, we don't want this. Do you really want to
0: do this? You you got your momentum back and anyway, a godfather for the rest of the year was still as over as anything, as hot as anything on 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 network TV at the time. And then they just <laughs> pulled the rug from under you and made you become the good father and join the right to censor. I mean, talk about stealing momentum.
3: Talk about me not smiling no more. You <laughs> just killed my high, bro.
0: What was that conversation it. like?
3: Um Vince was taking a lot of heat, man, because now he went from networks to cable or from cable to network. He went public. Uh, now he's answering the big companies. They're taking a look at what we're doing. Uh, They're like, what's this puppies and the DX, the it and this Valvina's porn star. And I said, and by God, who is this Godfather guy? <laughs> so uh, bitch would tell me every day i'm telling you bitch would tell me charles are fighting for you i'm fighting for you because they wanted me off off the air i got to the point where i couldn't be on saturday morning i couldn't be on sunday morning i couldn't be on before 11 o'clock i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't, I couldn't. It just became crazy mm. i couldn't say roll a fatty i couldn't call him hoes i couldn't call myself a pimp i couldn't say smoke weed i couldn't it got stupid so, Vince says, You know what? We're going to poke fun at these guys, and I'm going to quit you in the RTC, and we're going to poke fun at whatever group. I don't know the name of the group that was after us, but it had something with initials to it. And so I'm like, I just remember talking to him saying, What? He's like, Well, we're going to have a match, and you and Paul, and you're going to be in whoever, and you're going to lose, and you're going to join the right to censor. I'm like, So I don't have no more hoes? <laughs> He's like, No, oh, you're not going to have hoes. I'm like, Wait. So, are the hoes gonna be back next week no no more holes i'm like and so at that point i hated it i didn't like it i did the best job that i could do but i hated it hated every minute of it 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 took me from being and i know it's a work but it was a shoot man the godfather was a shoot the godfather was the geek the godfather was me out there saying exactly what i was doing and having fun telling people pimping ad's and then they put me into this role. I did the best I could, but I hated it. Mm-hmm. And it, and I went from being a nice person back to that biker be fair person. And then it just became to the point where they're like, "You need to leave a campaign because I hated it." Yeah. And then uh, I like think I said, "Taker," one time I was gonna, I was telling Taker and people, "I'm out of here, man. I just, I can't do this shit no more." Mm-hmm. And then somehow. It got to Vince, and the next thing you know, Vince dropped the straps on us. And so I'm, you know, I'm a businessman, so I'm not going to leave. So then I was there even longer with the damn straps. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, man, I hated it. Just they took the Godfather away from me, and then it, it wasn't fun anymore. Like I said, it was it's not fun. I'm out of here. And it was that was the only time in wrestling that I hated wrestling. Didn't hate, didn't hate wrestling. I hated what I was doing. Yeah. How about that?
0: Well, it's funny because if you look back at the the, the reigning champions of the time in, in uh, professional wrestling, you had the Hardy Boys, you had Edge and Christian, you had the Dudley Boys, and you and Bubba Cannon will always be there with the straps in that era, in probably the best tag team era of all time. So you, you have the legacy going forward.
3: Bro, I've been involved in a lot of just great from Ultimate Warrior or being Papa Shango to The Nation to... The Attitude Era, the to Godfather. To, I've been involved in so many, the makings of so many great careers, and the start of the Rocks and the Stone Coals and the Undertakers and the Attitude Era. That it meant, believe me, I've been very lucky, very lucky, mm. and to have fun doing it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Finally, in 2016, it was announced that the Godfather would be joining the WWE Hall of Fame. So, to kind of start wrapping things up here, who, who, who? who brought that forward to you? How did you hear that you're going to be in the hall of fame and, um, what did, what did it feel like? Or does it, does it matter to you to be in the hall of fame?
3: Oh, it's cool. Um, I mean, it's an honor to be put in it. Um, I, I really never thought about it. I, I, I never thought about being in the hall of fame. I'm like, if they put me in the hall of fame, it's gotta be a special category. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I was, I've been under contract with the De- – and still am. I've been under a legend's contract since 2003 or 4 with the WWE to this day. They've been nothing but great to me. I still get royalty checks. They keep me relevant. They keep me on the network. But every year I go to WrestleMania. Now, you might not see me, but I'm there. I'm there at FanFest. I'm there doing stuff. And so uh, uh, Mark Carano called me. And Mark Carano's like Charles, uh, you go, you all set for WrestleMania? I'm like, yeah, I was, with, I was at the gym. i was like, yeah, but the gym, man. What, yeah, what? And he's like, uh, well, who are you bringing? I'm like, who am I bringing? I'm bringing my wife, like always. He goes, well, why don't you bring your whole family? And I'm like, why the hell would I bring my whole family, Mark? He goes, because Vince is putting you in the Hall of Fame this year. He says, your name came up for the first time, and Vince says, Charles, of course, I put Charles. In. And that's how it went. Wow. And so. Uh, and then you but I mean if you look back, I've been involved. Here's how I look at things. I've made them a lot of money in my characters. And they're historic, man. They're, the body of work is there. I might not have been the most technical wrestler or been in the best matches, but all of the characters that I most of all the characters were part of something. And uh the like in Godfather alone, man. I mean, people are still in it. How many? It's been it's almost it's over 20 years since The Godfather's been relevant, and people still see me on the streets and Godfather, and you know. But now I'm the smoke train. I'm not The Godfather. I'm not the smoke train. I'm the, the smoke
0: train. <laughs> uh, what before we wrap up here? What What are you doing in your life now? Anything you want to promote or or discuss?
3: You know, I just want everybody. I love my Instagram. I, I am the Godfather on Instagram. Of course, you can find me on Cameo. I I have some cannabis. I'm very really involved in cannabis industry i have products out there but i'm not i don't think they're out where you are i have my own strain of marijuana in california i do seminars i do speaking um it, with the COVID, it's kind of shut things down but uh i i, I have a lot of things in the work you, um, once the world opens back up you'll see me at a lot of cannabis functions and you'll see me at probably wrestling events too i'm not wrestling anymore but you never know i'll probably show up with the hose. <laughs> I do. I'm just enjoying life. Believe me, life has been very good. I've been very blessed. And uh, I'm just enjoying life,
2: bro. Enjoying. It's awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much, Charles. It's been a, a total pleasure. You're such an easygoing, fun guy. Uh, yeah. it, 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 there, there's not many more positive interviews we can have than this one right here.
3: Well, guys, I had a great time. And I, I hope I didn't make it too boring because I'm a little windy. I, get, I start talking too much.
2: No, no, awesome. no.
0: There you go, Nile. The Godfather.
2: The Godfather of Kiran What an absolute gentleman.
0: What a nice guy. You'd like to just hang out with him all night. You told me uh, a
2: couple of days ago. It's like oh, he's really laid back. He seems like a really cool guy. He was like the
0: most chilled, laid back man ever. Yeah. So, very funny man as well. Naturally funny. And pretty much not a bad word to say about anybody. So uh, that was that was great. Thank you very much, Godfather. Yeah, hope uh, the, the listeners enjoy that one because I certainly did.
2: Me too, me yeah. too.
0: Niall, thank you for another very special week for scheduled for Two Falls Hall of Famer. Yeah.
2: Hall of Famer.
3: Hey, everybody! This is the Godfather, and you are listening to Schedule to Two Falls. Now keep it pimping.